Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning. That didn't sound very good. Thank you, brother. I'll, I'll say it again and try again. Good morning. Good morning. Excellent. Turn, uh, if you would, again to Hebrews chapter 11 for our third and last message in chapter 11. So we'll begin by reading the portion that we plan to cover today. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. However, now that word's not in there, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Let's again just ask the Lord his blessing. Father, um, so many times um, as we read your word, it's so uh, easy for us to read through it uh, and even think that it makes sense. Um, very logically laid out, easy to understand. There's not too many surprises. And yet, Father, we know that your word uh, is sharp and powerful and has an impact on each one of our lives. So, Father, uh, we come with great um, humility and dependence on you to speak once again this morning. Uh, that you would take this living, active word and that you would speak to each one with whatever is necessary for this morning. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it is by faith that we do know salvation of our souls, that we can enter in and 
eternal relationship with the living God. And Father, we thank you that it's by faith through Jesus Christ that we can walk in this earth and live a life that would be pleasing to you. So Father, we do pray that you would speak this morning and we pray and commit all of this to you in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So uh, just to do, I never turned this microphone on, which I think is okay, but I'll turn it on now. Uh, just to do a little bit of a recap of where we have been uh, over the last couple of weeks. And if I were to kind of summarize the first two messages, I would say the first one with the focus uh, starting around verse 4, I think I put in here verse 3, um, through verse 16, is really the looking to the heavenly reward. Uh, we saw that they were, Abraham, I think it was specifically mentioned, saying that he was desiring a better uh, heavenly country. Uh, that while living in this earth, uh, just like Abraham, after he left the earth at Chaldees, he was living in a land as if it was foreign, as a stranger or a pilgrim, uh, one that was completely separated from the world in which he lived. So if I were to summarize that first message, it really was that we need to have the eternal focus in mind, uh, letting that always be the thing that is driving us. In the second one, in the second section, uh, the leaving behind. So the first one, looking to the heavenly reward. Uh, the second one, leaving behind. Uh, we talked about how Moses had forsaken Egypt. And the word uh, to forsake there really means to leave behind. And we looked at all of the things that he left behind and, and kind of related them to some of the things that we can struggle with in our own lives. Uh, first of all, some, some of the things that the world will struggle with to come into faith in Christ. But as you think about the whole epistle here uh, written to the Hebrews, it was the concern that the writer was bringing out is why are you drawing back? Why are you going back when God has promised so much more in what's forward, what's future? Uh, so we talked about the faith over fear, that we really need to live a life that would be by faith in God and his promises rather than fear. Uh, this past week, I was talking to a brother who uh, was sharing the reality of coming to the realization of how much fear is actually driving much of his behavior. And I think if we were all to be honest with ourselves, that's true for all of us. Um, and how, how do we enter into that, to live that life of faith and not be driven by fear? Well, we talked last week briefly, feed your faith and not your fears. Um, I'm not going to remember this quote exactly right, but I had a sister send me uh, an image after the message last week reminding me that faith and fear were basically the same thing. Believing that which you cannot see. Uh, but one is from the devil, the evil one who's going to distract you, and the other one is from God who's going to lead you. So are you going to be distracted or are you going to be led? Uh, and we looked at the other things that he had forsaken and this world has nothing this world has everything and yet this world has nothing for me all that i could ever want and literally nothing 
that I need. So this third one, um, just to stick with the L's, so we have looking forward, we have leaving behind to stick with the L's, I just called this third one. Well, there's lots more that we could talk about. And that's really how uh, the writer to the Hebrews kind of goes into the next passage here, uh, and he starts describing, and I'm gonna talk a little bit more before I go to the next slide, which is what really summarizes this passage, but just a few things. First, he mentions several individuals uh, that if you go back and look at their lives in the Old Testament, and we're not going to do that, and I'm not going to spell out every example that the writer is talking about here. I just want you to recognize the, the base point of this. So first, you mentioned Gideon. Uh, Gideon, uh, who, with God's help, had brought the army down to 300 and saw great victory. That's awesome, right? Like, wouldn't you like to be a Gideon? I'd like to be a Gideon too. But what did Gideon do before that? I mean, we just have, I want to, like my heart is to encourage our hearts because like, yeah, we can look at Gideon and see the great result that happened in faith, but what happened with Gideon before that? He laid out a fleece. God, if indeed you are going to deliver me or deliver my people by your hand, as you said, this is in Judges chapter 6, as you said, then I want to lay out this fleece, and I want you to affirm that with me. Oh, well, that one's, that, that, well, so, yeah, the fleece is all wet, so now let's do it the other way around, and let's make, so Gideon, a man of faith, as described here in Hebrews chapter 11, also needed a little bit of assurance, yes? Needed to be reminded sometimes as we all do. So even in the sense of thinking about the conversation about how we can live with fear rather than in faith, we have to also be encouraged in the fact that as we look at any one of these examples, there is both fear and faith. Right now the focus here is on faith, what was done, but the reality is you look at Gideon's life and he needed affirmation. God, if what you said is to be true, then let's put out this fleece and affirm that to me. You think of Samson and the life that he lived, as he was mentioned in here as well. I'm not going through all of them. Uh, Samson, uh, the life that he lived would not be classified as one that was completely God-honoring, yes? As a matter of fact, very selfish, very self-centered, wanted everything about himself. Uh, but at the end of it all, when he finally came to himself, when he came to the realization that his life was over, he said, oh God, Remember me, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray just this once, God, that I may blow, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more that he killed in his life. But again, you look at his life, and not all was perfect. But in the last day, he operated with faith, trusting that God would do this great thing. You think of Jephthah, and I'm not going to say a lot about Jephthah, but he was born of a harlot. So meaning that our life circumstances don't need to necessarily drive what the result is going to be. And why is that? Anyone? 
I know, I know, it's like trying to get into the mind of a spider web. What could he possibly be thinking? I'll make it a little easier, I'll tell you. Why is that? Because it's not about us. It's not about you and me, and it's not about what we can or cannot do. It's about faith in the one who can do. And that's the example that we see. We think of David in his example, uh, obviously, there was the period of time, you, you see that at different points in David's life. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, he counted the people, which would demonstrate a lack of faith. He was like with pride being risen up to want to do this. Uh, and yet at other times, like in the instance of Goliath, you saw him operate in great faith. Uh, so what was it he said to the armies? The Lord, moreover, David said, this is 1 Samuel 17, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Great, great faith. And then he goes on and he says, or Samuel, or the prophets. I could go through any of a number of people. You can think of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who would constantly be warning the children of Israel, regardless of what was happening to him in that time. The list could go on and on. So without diving into all of those or talking about all of the people, it really summarizes this last section in this way. Faith regardless of the circumstances. Or another way to say it might be faith regardless of the results, regardless of what happens. And boiled this down, this passage, into these two sections. Faith in triumphs and faith in trials. Once again, I'm just going to list all of these from verses 32 to 30, the first half of 35, because it's in the middle of 35 that it switches. So 32 through 35, uh, these are the things that are listed. What were people in the Old Testament, and I would dare say even we could see testimony of these things in the New Testament, and if we wanted to do a really in-depth series, we could go to all kinds of examples uh, since the time of the New Testament. Uh, our brother Ted was sharing this morning the documentary that he was watching about Corey Ten Boom. Any of a number of things that she was fearful of, but yet at the same time lived according to faith. And we could read all kinds of stories, missionary stories, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, of what people were willing to do because of who they saw God to be, that he was manifested as real. So the list is subdued kingdoms. We see that with Joshua in the example that was given before, constantly through the book of Judges. Whenever uh, the people were being oppressed, they would finally cry out to God and ask for deliverance. And God was what? One word starts with an F, right? God was faithful. And he rose up a judge to deliver them, uh, literally would be called a deliverer, to deliver the children of Israel from that oppression. Uh, worked righteousness. Um, uh, without even diving into some examples on that, you just see, I think of Solomon. Let me dive into just one example. Solomon, the great wisdom that Solomon had, and yet, of course, there were failures also in Solomon's life. 
Uh, they obtained the promises that God had given to them, thinking even simply of the land that was promised to them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then uh, from there the children of Israel were finally delivered from Egypt and taken into the promised land. Stop the mouths of lions. By faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. Again, you look at Samson, he did stop the mouth of the lion when a lion came attacking at him. Uh, you think of David in the example that I just uh, gave uh, concerning what he said before Goliath. I've stopped the mouths of uh, lions and bears, right? I've killed them in defense of the sheep. Who's going to defy the armies of the living God? And then, of course, we know Daniel, the greatest example of that. That while he was being judged for living by faith, judged by the world because they created a law that said you cannot pray, he prayed anyways. And he did it openly, didn't change his behavior at all. And then he was thrown into the den of lions. And like I said, I think a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I don't really remember, the idea of cuddling up with a lion who's not going to eat you would be nice. If you could, by faith, trust that that was going to happen. Uh, quench the violence of fire. We talked about that, I think, as well with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, wonder, and the most wonderful part about that story is because they said our God can deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, we will not bow down. So the faith that they demonstrated was a real-life faith. Like, I know that I might die as a result of defying you and not doing what you've told me to do, O Nebuchadnezzar. I know that might happen. But we know that God could choose to save us. But even if he doesn't, that's by his sovereign choice. Out of the weakness, or escape the edge of the sword, we think of uh, David who multiple times uh, had been uh, delivered from Saul's grasp in order to be killed or injured in any way. Elijah, the same thing, went running away. Of course, his faith was tested during that. You could see that when he went and he uh, was under the tree for a while and kept himself separated and also was whining, if I can say it that way. Yes? Can we say that? Like, do you sometimes whine? I do. Unfortunately, Shona's the one that has to listen to it most of the time. Or Elisha, when they were surrounded by the Syrian army. I think that's 2 Kings chapter 6. They were surrounded, and Elisha's servant was concerned. They said, what's going to happen? And Elisha, by faith, just said, pray, prayed and asked the Lord to open the servant's eyes that he might see. And then uh, eyes were opened, and he could see the, the host uh, of armies around the Syrian army, the Lord of hosts and his army surrounding them. Out of weakness were made strong, and what a key point, and we'll come back to that. They became valiant or powerful, mighty in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens, so there were times when, by faith in all of these triumphs, uh, the armies would just flee. They, they left. Why? Because they knew that they could not go up against God. Sometimes we can even see that, um, that the world might actually have more faith than we do. I think uh, somebody was telling the story recently, um, you know, the, the church that was praying that a liquor store would burn down and 
Anyways, it finally happened, and then the guy was going to uh, sue the church for doing that because that was their fault, and the church said, that's not our fault. We didn't do that. The unbeliever had more faith that God was the one responding to the prayer than, than the believers themselves were. And sometimes that can be true as we look around when and uh, through the Old Testament and the examples that are given. And then lastly, uh, women receive their dead raised to life again. Uh, in two examples in the Old Testament, the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite son, uh, in both of these examples, you just see uh, the power of God working in bringing back to life. Faith in triumphs. Now, before we go to the next one, my real question for each one of us to just kind of ponder this morning is how many of us wish our life were this? In other words, at every turn that our faith would leave us to triumphant victory and we would know and see the power of God for deliverance and all things would go well in this life. Yes? I, I don't see too many heads nodding, so that's okay. So that means all of you accept and live with great desire for trials. No. Like, I do think that this is the problem with Americanized Christianity, and you've probably heard me say this before, this whole idea that everything in life is going to be good. And the reality is it's not. And we want it to be such this way. And yes, by faith, there can be triumphant victories, but sometimes we have to be able to look back and realize that even in the trial, there is going to be victory. And the victory might be what the Lord is doing in your life more than what's happening to your circumstances. How are we being changed and conformed rather than how great things are? So moving on to the next section. Again, faith in trials. Uh, so just reading through these. What did they experience? Well, they were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why? Because they wanted to obtain a better resurrection. Uh, they, they went through trial of mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, sawn in two, tempted, slain with the sword. Uh, there was those that were delivered from the sword, and now there were those that were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, tormented. They wandered in deserts, mountains, dens, and caves. Now, our experience in this life is very different, I would say, generally. We don't wander through the wilderness in dens and caves unless you're on a vacation and you're doing that just for fun. Uh, we, at this juncture of our life and existence, haven't been really threatened with a sword or to be sawn in two. But we do fear trials of destitution, being afflicted, tormented in different ways. Not the same ways in which maybe they experienced throughout the Old Testament. And again, if we look at the New Testament and what happened after the New Testament with the initial apostles, 
When you look at Fox's Book of Martyrs and what happened with the many saints and believers after that day, after that time, up until this time, we've read stories and heard stories even in the last 10, 20, 30 years of persecution happening to the church. And people in the midst, believers in the midst of the persecution, being able to stand. Why? Because they were looking for a better heavenly reward, a better country. They weren't going to allow the trial and the difficult circumstances to distract them from what God was trying to accomplish, partly in their own life and in the life of those that would be affected by it. Immediately, my mind and my heart is drawn to, um, well, several things I'm going to try to describe because I didn't plan for either of these, so these are bonus if you want to see it that way. Number one, if you ever want to hear a really great song, you should listen to When the Saints Go Marching, When the Saints Go Marching In by Sarah Groves. So not just the general one that's like a, a patriotic song. This is really about when the saints go marching and all kinds of little examples in there, which then also reminds me of the missionaries in Ecuador in 1956, right? And, and there were so many things that were said about those missionaries, like why would they waste their life to go there? Um, uh, Jim Elliott in particular was such a, his personality was very, uh, a great speaker, uh, just enthusiastic, could uh, lead people in the word of God and young people in particular to kind of encourage them on. So when he said he was going to go into the mission field, people told him that he was crazy. You're being used by God in such miraculous ways right now, right here. Why would you go to that place? Why would you do that? And all of their testimony as a result of it is, um, of those decisions is, was to reach these people, regardless of the situation and the circumstance that would happen. And I, I didn't plan for this, so I'm sorry, I don't have all the quotes in front of me to be able to give it out good. But here's the thing that struck the most. Even in the midst of that difficult circumstance where these five missionaries were brutally murdered, what happened next? Nate Saint's sister, Rachel, Jim Elliott's wife and their daughter, ended up going back into the jungles of Ecuador to minister to the people that killed them. Is that not an amazing testimony? In other words, our faith helps us to look past our present circumstances to what God is trying to accomplish in this. And that little piece is in that song, too, and you can just hear, hear uh, that being played out as well. So we would desire a life full of triumphs, and we don't really want the life that is filled with trials. The reality is, though, we're all going to experience trials, and our trials are going to be different for every single person. They're not going to be the same. Can we look beyond the trials and see how God is being triumphant even in the midst of the trial? So number one, faith in tri triumphs and trials. Number one, seeing him. Seeing him both in the triumphs but also in the trials. Can our mind be um, focused, our mind and our heart and our eyes focused on him regardless if things are good or things are bad. 
that our faith helps us to see beyond the circumstance and be able to focus on him alone. The first two of the next two are really from the passage under the triumph section. That they were valiant in battle or powerful or mighty without, without doubt. They didn't fear. They pressed on. Why? Because they knew that it wasn't them that was battling, but that it was God who was doing the fighting. I quoted this again from Exodus last week. And uh, when Moses at the Red Sea would say, it is the Lord who will fight for you. And whenever the children of Israel had a great battle to fight, it was when they recognized that it was God that was doing the fighting that they would have victory. That's when triumphant victory would happen. Out of weakness, they were made strong. A reminder to us that even in the midst of the triumphs, in the midst of the things that are going well, it's not in our strength that that happens. It's out of our weakness in demonstration of his strength. So out of weakness, they were made strong and therefore did experience a victory. The last two in this slide were related to the trials. They endured this great trial, uh, the torture, that, that's in reference that first one, that they might obtain a better resurrection. There are times, like, we don't want to go through the trials. We don't want to go through death. There are so many things. We think of the idea of persecution, and I'm with you. Like, I don't want to either. I'm not trying to pretend to be anything else. Um, but the reality is there are so many times that I do wish the Lord would just come back and we could go home to be with him so we can forget all of the bad things in this life, right? We want that, but we don't necessarily want what it might take us to go through that, to get there. And the end result is the thing that we need to be focused on, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were tortured, not wanting to die there, but pressed on to obtain the better resurrection. And what does it give testimony of? I'm gonna read this part here. It's just at the latter part, again, of all of those going through the trials, it says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. Now, when you think about uh, so many of these missionaries um, and all kinds of individuals uh, that go, went through all kinds of trials. The world would think they were just foolish. Why did you waste your life? You're not worthy of fill in the blank. No. God's testimony is different. God's testimony is the world was not worthy of them. And I would pray for you and for me that we can live our life thinking that way. That we wouldn't be trying to place ourselves up where we want the world to think that we're worthy of something. That we're worthy of adulation, praise. Worthy of recognition and success. But rather that we, the world is not worthy of us. Why? Because we are a joined to him. And it gives us a great work to do 
with that sort of testimony. So the world is not worthy. That's God's testimony. I just want to go through this next slide uh, pretty quickly, but you think of Peter's example as a, just another reminder of the New Testament, how there can be both faith and fear all at the same time. In these two examples with Peter, the first one, uh, he walked on the water. And when they saw the Lord coming and they thought he was a ghost, there was fear. And then they said, wait, is that the Lord? And then they said, if that's you, uh, Peter said, then bid me to come to you. He says, come. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking. But then what? He starts to sink. And the Lord says, oh, ye of little faith, why do you, why do you doubt? Peter's other example, when the Lord was warning him in Luke chapter 22, that Satan desired to sift him like wheat. Peter said, I would go to prison or die for you. He had great faith that he would do that. He said, no, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. But what did the Lord Jesus tell him before that? Satan desires that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And this is what we have in the Lord Jesus, who's interceding on our behalf. So lastly here, practicing biblical faith. Uh, he who calls you is faithful. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely in the midst of triumphs and trials. I'm adding that. That's not in the scripture that I'm reading. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it. God is faithful even when we are faithless. Uh, this is a faithful saying, 2 Timothy chapter, 11 in verse, or <laughs> chapter 2 and verse 11. And then in verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful faithful because he cannot deny himself. Our faith rests on him based on his word. It's not about us having faith. That's one of the, it is about us having faith, understand, but it's us having faith in him. Uh, one of the problems uh, in Christianity today in certain portions is you can be healed if you have enough faith. Again, reading Warren Wiersbe, he told of a story about he went to a hospital and a well-meaning Christian, he was doing a visitation, had given the patient a book to say, if you have enough faith, you will be healed. It's not having enough faith, it's not what we're doing, but it's the faith that we have in him. Last week I mentioned, and it might have been a little bit confusing, so maybe I'll bring clarity. I said, even in our failures, we are reminded of his faithfulness. And my point being is God is faithful regardless of anything. When we are faithless, when we fail, he is faithful. When we look back and we're reminded of those times in which we failed, that we were faithless, we immediately are reminded of his faithfulness. And then we already read these parts of Excuse me. Our faith rests on him based on his word. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in him is without regard to result. Uh, in other words, whether it's triumph or trial, whatever the consequence or result is, it's all based on him. And we leave it there. 
they obtained a good testimony, though not having received the final promise, I'm going to say. They received the promises. We saw that earlier in the chapter, but they have not received the final promise, the promise of being with him, but they will. God has provided something better. Hebrews 11, verse 40, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They were constantly looking forward to the cross, but the cross is the center point of all mankind history, that everything was dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. They were looking forward, and the resurrection that we will know, they will also be entering into. Why? As evidence and testimony that it's all based on Jesus Christ and what he's done. So, some personal reflections for us to just give consideration to. Number one, are you looking to the heavenly reward or are you distracted by the things of this world? Are you more concerned with your inheritance in this life or do you look to the promises that God has made? Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have our inheritance now in Jesus Christ and that inheritance will only be that much sweeter when we get to be with him. And we want to live in light of eternity. I think it's with the saying goes, and I don't know who first said it, but with eternity stamped on our eyeballs. Number two, what fears prevent you from practicing a biblical faith? What's taking your heart and your mind away from the promises of God and the evidence that God has always delivered on his promises? Might it be health concerns or fears, financial concerns or fears, fear of government and what they're going to do or not going to do? Fears of things just not turning out the way we would want them to. First John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. What do you refuse to forsake in light of fear? What are you going to, what are you not leaving behind? What are you holding on to? What has your heart? Is it family, friends, worldly success, money, things? Is it the passing pleasures of sin? Does sin have your heart and attention? Are you refusing to repent and turn to God who can give the victory? What's your view of money and treasures? Is it his or is it yours? And if it's his, are you returning back to him an appropriate portion that's his? When you put your budget together, do you consider that I want to give to him first and then figure out your budget from there? Or does your budget imply that you give to him whatever is left over? Time, do you evaluate our time in this life in light of eternity? What areas of our life that needs to be changed and how we're spending our time? And lastly, do you accept triumphs and trials as a life of faith? God is faithful. Whether we're going through a triumphant experience or whether we're going through a trial. In triumphs, do you take credit or do you give God the glory, recognizing that it is ultimately he who does it? In trials, do you look to God as good 
and faithful or question whether he is even there. In the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Later in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as Uncle Dave Stifler would always say, you can say that backwards and it means the same thing. You forsake nor you leave, never will I. Don't draw back. Press on in light of the hope and the promises that God has revealed to us. And as he has demonstrated himself to be faithful, evidenced throughout all of the word of God. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving God and Father, we do thank you that you are faithful. Even when we are faithless, when we're struggling. Father, we pray that in in our triumphant moments, when we see great success and victory, Father, we pray that we would remember to always return praise and glory and adoration to you for the work that you're doing. Father, in the midst of trials, we commit ourselves to you and pray that you would strengthen us, that in our weakness we would be strong, that we would know and feel your presence through every difficult situation and circumstance. Father, we just rejoice that it's not based on us and what we can or cannot believe, but it's based on you and the promises that you have made and in the finished work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anybody here who has yet to have trusted Christ for salvation, Father, we pray that you would save their soul, that you would open their eyes and minds and hearts to the reality of the truth, that through Christ on the cross at Calvary, their sins can be forgiven and they can know everlasting life. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.